Welcome to Be Simply. This is Suzanne Toro, and I want to thank you all for joining us today. We have special guest, Ray Indigo. She is a remarkable woman, a master yogi, an innovator, and a founder of Formula Flawless. Today, we're going to dive into the world of emotion, consciousness, and so much more. Without further ado, let's dive in with Ray. Ray, I want to welcome you. I'm so happy that you're here today. Excited to connect with you. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to see you. I feel like it's been a long time. It's been like almost a year, hasn't it? Some probably, I don't know, space and time are (laughs) a mystery to me at this point. (laughs) Um, it seems like we've gone into a gap <laughs> for these past couple of years. So now we're coming out of it. Um, so I wanted to, I was feeling into you, uh, this conversation today and, uh, wanted to chat with you a little bit about, um, gosh, the power between, you know, your, from my perspective, your you're at a master level of your teaching as a teacher, as a maestro. And, um, you know, there's what I, I witness in the world right now is that we're probably coming to this cool era where you have generations and we will fully lead into where we return of the elders, where we would listen to the elders, masters, the elders. Um, and what I'm witnessing a lot is in the younger generation, we've never had this where it's really accessible for them to get information rapidly. So the, I would say the potential downfall to that is they grab, read, regurgitate, and don't embody. And so therefore they, be, they are a self-elected um, uh, expert <laughs> about a topic that maybe they've, they've memorized. <laughs> So, um, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So, and, you know, obviously like with, uh, yoga, you know, it meets everyone in this lifetime, how it's destined to meet them. But I'd love for you to start off to share a little bit about the power of, uh, and the need for correction, um, and the need for, um, just a willingness to, to be a student in that process where um, sometimes our ego can get in the way where we, we think we know something. So our fire might come up uh, and we don't want to receive that, but what's the power in that correction uh, for anyone in any field, really? (laughs) It's, you know, it's nice that people have access to um, so much information, as you said, like it's, it's really right at the fingertips and we've never had that before. Um, the difficulty is that uh, is that people don't handle challenges well anymore. They're very, very fragile. And um, anything that kind of corrects or confronts, a lot of students break. So as a teacher, it's very hard to, um, to move quickly with people because you have to act so tenderly, so tenderly, so... Because, you know, one strong word, one strong, I'm, I'm a trained by martial artists and yogis. And sometimes the yogis were the hardest, honestly. But you got very strong corrections and, and it was done not to make you like wrong or bad. Or it was done to actually improve you. But um, over the last decade, I've found that the amount of um, intensity or, or force that you use can use in teaching people, it, it's so little. And, and it's not to the benefit of the student. Now, you know, what will come of this? I, I don't really know, but what I see so much, especially in the spiritual, um, you know, world, uh, that, that, that the actual teachers who are well-known and famous, are they don't have a lot of skills. And oftentimes the reason, you always have to look, what's the reason why this person is teaching? Oftentimes the, the reason is because they want attention. They don't have, you know, and as a teacher, you're supposed to give attention. You're supposed to place your attention, your admiration, your, your focus on the other person, not to need to receive it. So um, I'm seeing a lot of that. I'm seeing um, the, 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 the confusion about your abilities. Like um, people are very, 
They follow their emotions as if the emotions are the most important thing because we come out of eras of repressing emotions. So, so it's kind of swung the other way. And right. the answer is not to repress, but it's also not to follow them because at a level they are self-generated. And that's very hard for people to see that they're generating their own emotional states because they can't see the mechanism. Um, so, so you have people that have a lot of strong emotions that believe that they're very important and who don't have a lot of resiliency in the emotional body. And then they come across, they have a lot of ideas to access. And so the tendency will be to select for the ideas that essentially kind of fill or feed your idea, your construct about the universe. So you don't so you don't really get a, a lot of improvement. And you can see this in people that go to like work through trauma, which is a lot of the work that I do is, is, is working with trauma. People that are in a really bad state and they've been doing trauma work forever, but there's no improvement. Well, why? Yeah. Why? Something's wrong here. You know, it's like you go for a surgery or you go to get something fixed and there's no improvement. You come out with the same problem, sometimes worse. Well, this is not, something is off in the way the information is being given and the, and the and the idea that people have so i see this a lot it makes it very hard to to work as a teacher because um any you know any miscalculation of intensity will will lead to um people really attacking you <laughs> yes <laughs> absolutely <laughs> like you know it's like it's like it's like because there's so many people that are working in this profession now, so many teachers, which there weren't always, it was a real life path. Right. Um, if anybody offends them a little bit, ah, they just go to another and it's like, you lose the best teachers I know are very, they're challenging. My teachers right. were, oh my God, you know, my one teacher, you know, until you, until you cry and puke on your yoga mat, you know, that was uh, like, let's get it out. But yeah. we don't do that anymore. And, and I think that something is really lost because the time is lost of the practitioner. If you have right. an intense teacher move you through your problems quickly, then you can get to the other side of living where the problems are not really there or, you know, you know how to solve things. You, you know what right. I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and speak a little deeper to that because uh, what, when you're talking about emotions and uh, people are almost like excited, there, there's the spectrum, there's people that maybe are really good at emotions and have been good at emotions all their life, meaning they might be over emotive. And then you have the person that sequestered it off, maybe because of trauma, they needed to move forward. That was too much to heal. And, and really humanity ideally is coming to the middle point because uh, that then we can, since you're a martial artist, we can be in that center point without, you know, having our boat rocked by any mechanism, you know, especially that emotional body. If you can share a little bit more about interrelations for people, whether it's a personal partnership or business relationship or student to teacher, where emotions come up, but they're not meant to always occupy the time of so much that, you know, it like creates a dishevel. Like imagine if you're teaching in the class and students like, I have to cry and I need to be heard and all this stuff um, versus allowing you know, the emotions to ride within self or maybe even within your students in the class where you're not maybe reactive to them also it becomes a tennis match sometimes. If you can just share a little bit about that, um, how to integrate, you know, the emotional cues into our personal relationships. Well, when it, when it comes to teaching, if I'm like, if I'm teaching a course, unless that course is particularly kind of like processing emotional body, it's not really the appropriate place for there to be a, a large emotional outburst. And so what I personally do is usually work with the person privately or recommend another practitioner that, that has skilled um, so that the person can enjoy the actual material of the course. Now, of course, if I'm teaching um, something that is to work through emotions, which I also like lead, that's more like a facilitation, I wouldn't say teaching, it's facilitating, then of course the emotions coming up and out is very appropriate. Um, I think that the, the, the big issue is that we have to have a good definition of the word emotion. Yeah, because you say the word emotion, everybody kind of knows what you're indicating, but we have to define it very clearly as to, to what is this emotion. So you have different layers of your of your being, different layers of density, and the emotional body is, is one layer of density. And it's usually created um, 
for, for a lot of people that I see walking the planet right now, out of their past kind of impacts that they've had in their life. And by an impact, I mean something that hits you. Something that hits you can be words from another, it can be a physical trauma, it can be many, you know, it can be a, a really excellent positive event that, that also kind of stuck with you and gave you a nostalgia. So what happens is that you have a being that's in the present moment and they, uh, like, if we can just think about, so let's, let's look at the scenario of someone getting a phone call from their boss. Now, if you're in a high frequency emotional state, you can think about this, that like, it's like almost like you're putting out a lot of really light particles and so, and they're fast. And so anything that kind of comes in to, to that, like the, like a motion or a movement or communication that comes in, you're able to respond and it doesn't really affect you too much. But now let's say you're in a depressed state or a frustrated state or like a, a lower frequency emotional state, you get the same phone call and you know, you're not feeling good. You get a call from your boss says, oh, I need you to handle this. You feel put upon, you feel frustrated, all this stuff comes up. It's just a normal request, yeah? If you're in the other state, you're in that higher frequency state, you're, you're feeling joyous, you're feeling enthusiastic, and your boss calls you and says, hey, I need you to handle this. You're like, oh, okay, no problem. So, so what is it? So how do we define an emotion? This is what I found as a working definition. It's your response to motion, to incoming motion from the universe. How it comes in, how do you respond and, and how much stuff is generated in between you going to, to take an action area, you know, from the initiation, oh, I have to do this, to the fulfillment. Most people are having so many emotional storms. They, don't, they might not even see it because it's so normal. That's just how I am. I live with a low grade frustration every day or I kind of feel hopeless and depressed. Well, that person who has these stories inside of them, which they feel very are very valid and very true and very justified from all their past experience, someone who has that, any I I incoming stuff will, will essentially work like they're resisting it. It'll hit them and they'll resist that instead of allowing the information to come in. You'll see this in as a manifestation of when people are in these lower states, they'll consider themselves an introvert. Yeah, introversion, extroversion is not a fixed thing. It's just yeah. that when your attention is so much in your past and then you go to communicate with other people, it's like you're trying to pull yourself with all this effort to the present. And, and it's hard because you're not actually present. You're not able to be with the others. The past, in, in essence, is louder and you're dragging it in front of you and putting it in every interaction. And that's the the emotional states of, of the people are having now, anger, frustration, depression, sadness, fear, and grief. These are not good conditions. That doesn't mean we don't have them come up when there's a yeah. legitimate thing that happens, but they get stuck. They get stuck. And so now a person will lead with their grief or lead with their fear, or lead with their anger, you know, or lead with their boredom, lead with their, and so, but that's not any more real than another person who's leading with joy. It's just that one feels and creates a, a better life. What one feels better in life and one creates a better life. Does that make sense a little bit about the emotions? Absolutely. So share a little bit for listeners about how to get unstuck. Uh, because there's, we've, we're coming out of this, I call it the brouhaha on planet Earth. So there's a lot of entitlement. We led into this experience, you know, several years prior to the brouhaha um, with a lot of entitlement, a lot of, you know, division. Um, so if we get past, you know, because our stuff, then we can start to like harmonize uh, versus always in this like push-pull tension. Well, there, there's, there's kind of two different approaches or way to touch it, yeah? One is to find a way to, I call it karmic clearing practices. One way to, to view the past using a very specific format that doesn't make it more loud, more stimulated. It actually brings you the truth of a situation which causes the emotions to kind of fall out of it. You have the memory perfectly, but all that charge that a lot of people are actually addicted to, they need the charge to get them moving. They're addicted to the charge. When that charge falls away, you find that you're just fine. Yeah, so, so there's that set of processes which usually take some facilitation because our tendency when we start to view those 
is to then go into them deeper and now become overwhelmed a bit, you know, so that that has to be facilitated. So and those are extremely useful, but you can think about them a bit like like an emotional detox. Then the other set of practices are essentially where you create intentionally with effort and the less effort, the better. But at first it might take quite a bit a different like state that you hold. Now, both practices are, are you need to have both, both sets of information are are necessary. But the second thing is something that's very safe. The other one is not so safe. You need to have a really good practitioner to, to guide you through it and to, to spot anything where you jump out, you jump into something. They have to be able to catch it and kind of bring you back through the process. The second one is we, we can use like the meditative sciences for this. Um, one of the easiest things and this will be very revealing to those who haven't done it before, because the first time you try to do it, it tends to be rather hard. Not because it's a hard meditation. What I'm going to give is very easy, but because it, it will show you how much your attention is jump, jumping into judging yourself, feeling bad about something, like all this negative stuff that you might not be seeing. The moment I ask you to do this meditation, which is only for one minute, it, that will come up at first. So what you do is you bring yourself to just a a comfortable and easy seated position. This can be on the ground, on a bench, on a chair. And, you know, obviously correcting the posture a little bit, leaning back so that your front body is open, will allow the, the diaphragm to, to move so that you're taking in air into the bottom of the lungs. Now, breathing into the bottom of the lungs gives you a much greater um, ability to relax and to feel that you're kind of, you're not suffocating. Yeah, I won't create an anxious state. So correct the posture, sit up and you sit down and for one minute, you kind of imagine that your um, field was just like this little bubble of pleasantness. And I oftentimes use the term atmosphere. You create the internal atmosphere using intention and using all your abilities to just become pleasant. Now, what is pleasant? Pleasant is like when you have enough money in your bank account, you have enough food in your house, you're having no turmoils in your relationships, um, you just met someone that you find very interesting and you're sitting outside on a perfect day, whatever that means for you, with the perfect conditions in the sun or not in the sun, and you just feel like it's good to be alive for a moment. This is what I mean by pleasantness. There's no problems. They're not. It's not overly happy. It's not a stimulated state. It's like a neutral state plus a, a sweetness and so you create this internal atmosphere and you hold it just for one minute <laughs> now <laughs> an entire eternity the first time you try it for most people there's an eternity that occurs and you, you're fine for like two or three seconds and then you're like well what is pleasantness really and your mind comes in and then it's like but i'm really worried about that email i have to send and all this stuff will come up and you just have to remind yourself for only one minute. Mind, I'm not following you for only one minute. Yeah, <laughs> after that minute, you can go into whatever you want. For just one minute, you sit and you hold that atmosphere of pleasantness. So you're, you're learning to consciously generate an emotional state of a clear and high, or we would say in yoga, sattvic, harmonic um, frequency. And you're doing it consciously because all the emotions you're creating you you are doing them you just don't see the mechanism so this is one step in beginning to take kind of control of this emo this emotional mechanism which is causing so much loss in life so much the missing of connections the missing of the moment because of some emotional state that is no more real than another emotional state yeah absolutely does that make sense so you just yeah. practice this when the minute's over, you can decide to keep that, you know, pleasant atmosphere. Or you can let it go. But you practice this kind of a couple times a day. And what you will see is that bit by bit, the desire to jump into stories will, will become a little bit relinquished. And it's a very, if you get the, the, the skill of it, it's a really nice way to kind of bring yourself back when, yeah. you know, when an emotional storm takes you. So it's one of my favorite practices and it's only one minute. Yeah, absolutely. Just you describing it, you know, brought me there. So that's, you know, <laughs> a nice thing. Well, and as you were speaking, uh, share the value, because I see this a lot, especially in, um, you know, online, just passing by, but in 
where there's spiritual teachers or yoga teachers uh, or be or relationship coaches. It seems like it's a big a trend to try to have conscious relationships. And I'm like, wow, well, but I'm just having one with myself, you know, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you can um, share a little bit about, you know, the interdependence that exists within us and especially in the spiritual practice, how it is a, a very intimate place that we go with ourselves, And then the, this is my words, but the result of it then potentially pleasantly impacts the world around you. If you're headed in the right direction, <laughs> you know, you're making efforts that are for the benefit of self and others. Uh, when if my I guess my question for you is when people get over attached that they have to talk everything through that they have to that really that we can get to a resolve internally and meet the same situation but just like you gave the example the phone call with um, a different perspective without having to burden because my burden might not be your burden so I might be like Ray I have to talk to you about this and you're like, what the heck? And I just wasted like an hour and a half of your day on something that really I could have processed myself or if I did need, you know, an external person to help me. So if you can share a little bit about the value of learning to trust self and be interdependent and then how the world might seem a little different to everyone versus putting the burden on external relationships. So there's kind of, there's different, there's, yeah. <laughs> give, give me the easy ones, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so, so I, I do work as a therapist, like doing like these kind of where I facilitate, so, so guiding someone's consciousness through, you know, areas like, you know, I take them through the terrain of their past or of their, you know, inner atmosphere. And I guide them there because, you know, you might not recognize what, what might look like something good might be a dangerous thing to touch in a way. And so it's nice to have a guide to, to, you know, walk with you through that. Um, but the thing is, and this is the tendency, and this is um, this is something that it's because so many teachers and coaches have to make an income from it that they they don't actually teach the theory or, or how the person how to map or, or map their own journey. They don't they don't do that. Um, so so part of it is is the error of the practitioner because of the culture around it. You know, if you have to survive by selling client hours then you're not really going to teach the person how to navigate their own map. But that has to be it. But if you're a, a real, if you're really working to educate humanity, we have to teach each person how to navigate as skillfully as possible the inner dimensions of their of their beingness. Because, you know, if you require me, but I can only see you for one session a week, and I don't teach you how to navigate. And let's say on Friday, something happens and you have a total meltdown and I don't have time for you until Monday, you can destroy your entire life in a few days. So how am I actually helping you? Yeah, how am I actually helping you if I don't take the time to explain to you with very clear definitions, not vague innuendos, not mystery, very clear definitions. What is this terrain? And what is this thing you just ran into when you were, you know, in the, in the darkness, because you don't have enough light in there. In the darkness, you ran into something. Well, what is it? I need to teach you how to turn that light up to see it. Otherwise, I'm not really helping. And, and this is what I see a lot of times with these therapies is, is that the, the, the practitioner will touch a spot in the person that definitely needs to be touched and needs to be walked through and needs to be you know, unveiled and handled. But if they don't teach them to become skillful, trust me, there's more areas. Yeah, you're not actually helping the person if you don't give them that information. Um, which is why I'm really happy to have um, a skincare company so I can actually begin offering stuff for free because most of the people that I find that need the work can't afford my services. And that makes it a really hard thing. And it's something I have struggled with a lot when I was working full time. Luckily, my business model was always to recover people and then refer their friends because I don't really, I, I, I can't lose my authenticity and, and enter into the, when I know that I should teach someone the theory and how to do something themselves, but I don't because I keep, no, no, I don't do that, you know? And that's a hard place for the coaches and the yogis to really, to really walk within is you have to be good enough that you can actually solve the problem 
and that the person sends more people if that's going to be your career because otherwise you're going to put your ethics out and you and then you will lose your actual ability to help people does that does that make sense and that's a so you have a couple of things happening here you have the innocence of the practitioner or the person wanting to learn coming in and then you have the 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 weighing of how do i navigate what's sincerely going to change this person's life also while having enough resources to feed my pomeranians you know how do i navigate that skillfully and and it has to be you know and that is the that's the journey that I'm working in this profession, which is why I really don't recommend this profession to many people. It's very hard. Yeah. It's not easy. If you're a responsible person, this is a hard like walking a razor's edge across an abyss to know where's the right place to put to put the next step. Yeah, yeah and you have to have a lot of attention. Yeah, does that make sense? Absolutely. Uh, well said. And share a little bit more about the responsibility of ethics. I mean, you have just mentioned your skincare line, having ethics there, having ethics in your private practice with students one-on-one. And it's, I would say it's something that our society, I think that's why we're here at this moment, humanity, is because there was been so much turning the head the other way, like, oh, I'll just, you know, look the other way or, oh, I'll just hold this back, you know, that's what kind of even happens in modern day Chinese medicine. They would, didn't want to reveal the formulas uh, because they wanted the person to come back and buy their formulas for fear they would just mix it on their own without realizing, you know, more people will come maybe, I don't know. (laughs) So share a little bit about the ethics um, and how that can serve our humanity right now. The, The downward spiral in our life always starts with a very small decision to violate our principles because we don't know how to solve a situation. Yeah, we don't know how to solve a situation. So we we say, oh, well, you know, in the simplest way we can say, well, I'm hungry, so I steal, okay? You know, and we can look at this and say, you know, I can, you know, if someone steals because they're hungry, but they have a million dollars in the bank, they're still hungry. You know, maybe they didn't have their wallet with them. We would really judge that person in one way. But now someone with no money in the bank and no resources steals and they're hungry. And we would judge that person a very different way. Both of the things are unethical steps. But and, and you know, so so and they're always done with this small little justification. Now, when it comes to to being a teacher, yeah, the thing that you're um, now having to navigate is the the anger of your um, of the people you're working with. If I push my students a little too hard, I will they'll get angry at me, yeah. And and so so you're walking this you're walking this um this line of like how much can I get them to realize. You know, and what for me, I'm trying to prevent them to hold me on a pedestal because I'm essentially teaching them the nature of their humanity, which is something we all have. Yeah, it's not special to me. I, I just maybe have a little more clarity in some areas. So the, the question is, how do I like how do I navigate it without giving up? Because that definitely is something I struggle with now because I can't I can't get people through things quick enough. There are so many justifications, you know, and they, 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 they know that they're their own healer but they don't know how to heal. So I need to show you how to heal yourself, but you know you're your own healer. So as soon as I start to push a little too much, I'm my own healer and I know best and I don't want to collapse their viewpoint. It's important that a person feels empowered that they can do it, yeah? But at the same time, your method isn't working. How do you know if a method works? It delivers a result. I had a woman um, that that I'm working with and she's so lovely and she has so much past trauma and like just sadness and sadness and sadness. And, you know, she's a friend of mine and she's like, I don't know what to do. You know, I've been through 10 years of trauma processing and, you know, I just have no hope and, and she wants to run away from her life. And I said, well, I can, I can handle that in a few weeks. <laughs> she's just like, and I'm like, I know you're not going to believe me because it's, most people don't have the skill set to do this. But for me, it's very easy. You know, it's very, very easy because I understand all, I understand how you're here and that the reason that you're here is not your spirit is broken. No, no, you've just gathered a few things that are not useful in a way and you've put them together into a construct that feels like a hopeless prison. So, so in a few weeks, I just spoke with her yesterday and she's like, she's like, I can't believe 
how much has changed in my life in just a few weeks. And I'm like, and she's like, I didn't believe you. I'm like, I know no one does because most of the practitioners are operating that something that for you to get to a state of joy and to have hope in your life needs to take a really long time. A lot of processing, a lot of, I'm like, no, no, we're wiping down the countertop. Now I can take a long time to wipe it down or I can do it, you know? And so what's going on? We're cleaning stuff out of the vessel. And yes, it's very important. It's been with you a long time and you haven't imagined your life without it. That's been the lens you see everything through. But then I just come in and I clean the lens and you're like, what? Yeah. So if you have, if you understand how you are ending up in these states and you're skillful, you can get them out of the state very quickly. And so... I remember what the original question was. <laughs> well, well, that you were explaining the ethics, you know, do, you know, because doing that, ah, the like, ethics, yeah. you know, like, the ethics of it is I have to define what, so, so how do I find my ethics? I define yeah. what result I want. Yeah. I want to get to this, this person to a state where they feel yeah. good in their life. And then I do this as fast as they'll tolerate because yeah. life you have, a, you know, maybe a hundred years. Do we need right. to waste a decade of it crying into our pillow in confusion? <laughs> well, that's a big Sorry. business. It's a big business. Yeah. It's a big business. Yeah, and I see so many people just re-stimulating people's traumas and putting them there and be like, yeah, it's yeah. good work. Yeah, you feel that. No, it's not good work because I have an idea, and this is, I guess, maybe what's different, is that I know what a human, when they're, when they're in their real beingness of being a human, how that is. I know yeah. what your abilities are. They're not, they're not supernatural abilities. The Siddhis are your native natural state. They're not right. a supernatural state. And so with that viewpoint, I don't consider all the densities and heaviness and karmic impulses and compulsions and all the ways you're destroying. I don't consider them important or particularly strong. Right. It's not important. I just see that you can lose these things now as fast as the person goes because the hardest thing of doing this is that people will hold to their problems. They love them. They'll tell yeah. you, I want to get rid of this problem. I come in, I say, okay, I can talk to you for two hours and that problem will be gone. And they'll be like, what do you, I'm like, no, really, we want to get rid of it. I can do it in two hours, but you got to go with me. Two hours, we can get rid of that whole thing, but you got to go with me. And now the dance you have to walk as a practitioner is how do you, most people don't have enough willingness. They're at, they might say they don't like their problems, they want to get rid of this, but they're not actually willing to take each yeah. step and each step and each step. So they'll take two steps, they'll start to see an improvement, and they'll, they'll realize they're going to lose their companion of sadness that has been with them for so long. Yeah. And what is your life going to be like if that sadness and that feeling bad about yourself all the time and all of all of those things which you think of as the true nature of reality, if they're gone, who are you going to be then? Well, that's the real problem. And that's why we have to find the right pace. And that's right. where the ethics come in, is that dialogue of you have to be wise enough because you can only tell them what they're willing to experience. So you have yeah. to be wise enough to spot what that is and to not underserve which is can be the tendency because it can be you know a bit exhausting you know because you just want to get people to a good place and not overserve because if you give them too much they will break and the yeah. mistakes that can happen you know like if students if you're doing this kind of work and you make a mistake they literally will manifest a death and that's why this work needs to be like i've seen people manifest problems that are that are tremendous so when i endeavor to work with someone it's a big responsibility and, I, and I'm in communication with them all the time, yeah. which is a lot, but that's the work. And if you're not willing right. to like put that work in front of my own, you know, sometimes it's like, I'm exhausted. It's super late, yeah. but I got three people going through an intense process and I, you know, I chat them up. Luckily, you know, I, have to, I don't have to call, but if I do have to call, I write them, Hey, how are you doing? If I yeah. get a non-response or I get something where they're hiding, I just pick up the phone and I'm like, tell me. And that's what yeah. you have to do. And if you're not willing to do that, please don't touch this work. Yeah. Please don't uh -huh. touch it. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> because you, you can really harm a person or just, or just waste their time and their resources, all of which are unethical. You must become yeah. very skilled to do this work. So I don't know. That's, that's my view yeah. on it. Well, well it, yeah. And share a little bit more about the student or the client being ready and then, 
maybe from your vantage where maybe you notice that, that tenderness and how you might address that. If, if you like have a deep knowing like, hmm, they're just not quite there yet. Uh, how do you navigate that? I watch very closely. Uh, I have um, a, a tremendous ability to focus and keep my attention on a person very like very intensely, but in a non-invasive way. So I just kind of rest my attention with them and I observe when I try to, so, so it's a little bit like when I'm trying to facilitate someone to enter into a more positive waking state in their daily life. Um, I push them a little bit and I see what the response is. So I'm look, what I'm looking is for the, what's their actual emotional state, not what they pretend. I just push a little bit and I see their response. And I see, you know, does the person have the resilience or the willpower or do they collapse and go into their patterns? And I'm just kind of tracking that data point at like, I push this much. At what point does the person collapse down into the automatic patterns that they have that are creating their sadness? And that gives me a kind of, a, I call it like a gradient of how I'm going to work with the person. And, and honestly, if, you know, I, I select the people I work with, I'm not available to everybody because there's certain, like, there's certain people that to work on them is almost dangerous because they really, really actually don't want a good result. So, so they're in a, they're in a certain band of emotion and they're, they're a certain way that yeah. the more you touch it, that, yeah, the, the more they're going to covertly try to destroy you. And right. while I know, I know how to improve those people as well, it's a calculation of like, I don't, I don't work with everybody. I have to notice that there are some um, qualities. So every, I do intake interviews with everybody and, and I'm looking to see, I'm looking for this kind of hidden mechanism because I know how to handle it, but it's just going to take a long time and a lot of, and a lot of, you know, it's a, it's a lot. And so you have to always think like, how do I take care of myself while navigating people's inner hell worlds? Yeah. yeah. Because it's just like with a drowning person, if you try to rescue them, they're going to try to pull you under. So you better be yeah. skillful <laughs> enough to recognize that situation. And if you're not, what you will see is that you'll get bad results and you'll get clients that actually will drag you down. And, and you have to be very aware of this. And so it's some people it's best not to touch because actually the negative pattern is more stable then if I start touching it, it can get all kinds of things will come out. And if I'm not yeah. going to be there for the whole process, it's a very much alchemical process. I'm not going to be there for that whole process because I can't tolerate what's going to come out because I don't feel like it. Yeah. That's that I can't touch. It. So I, I learned to spot that because I, and I can track, ah, I can track the time. I've, I've been doing this a very long yeah. time. You learn to see what what what's going to come out when i squeeze this fruit what juice is going to come out <laughs> and so and that's where the yeah. wisdom you know where the wisdom is and and there's this definite idea which I, you come across in the spiritual arts um that i love it when people are like you charge so much for yoga you charge so much for meditation i say no meditation and yoga are free go do it i'm not stopping you but if, if you want me to guide you through it yeah, yeah. Well, it's a very it's high, it's high value. I get a result, but I am not like the idea that a, that a teacher or a master is a servant is a very strange one, and it's a new one that's only come about really recently. I am not a servant. In other words, yeah. you have all these twisted nature things, the twisting aberrations that are coming out of you, and I'm supposed to serve what? I'm serving the spirit in you, but I'm not going to serve these these variants which are untrue manifestations of a you know distorted maya i'm not going to serve that and as a teacher you have to be much stronger internally to navigate this with skill than than the students you if you're not if you haven't made yourself so strong that you recognize what this is going to be it will it will collapse you and your, your job is to serve spirit not to serve the whims of the person does yeah. that make sense Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and share from there because it's, um, you know, the, how to navigate, I'm just going to call it evil. Because as you were, you know, evil. Did you say evil or ego? Sorry. Evil. Evil. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. 
um, because it's it feels right now when you're using the metaphor of the drowning person, you know, lifeguard 101 is you better to have one person drown than two. Uh, right now, because of everything that's happened, it's as if the uh, I'll just I'm just labeling it evil, but darkness, whatever people want to call it, is really grasping at anything and everything that people want. So if you can just share a little bit about how to navigate that for a person on their day-to-day basis, how to protect themselves. Cause we're, we're really like, you know, it's like and society not realizing, you know, what has been happening and it's just coming up in and out everywhere. Um, so it might be helpful for people and for instructors too, that are teaching uh, because definitely on the mat in particular, or in a set, these things, you know, will start wanting to get out or express themselves potentially, depending what's happening. Okay. I love that you're just sending me all the softball questions. I really appreciate that. Define <laughs> evil and how it's there. All right, good. I, no, I love it. It's good. It's good. All right, all right. <laughs> Okay, so let's begin by um, by by just having a viewpoint on something that uh, everyone is familiar with, like the image of the yin and yang symbol. Okay, so this is something everybody's familiar with, which is this essential, essentially like this physical universe is is composed of of always two, yeah, and, and that two becomes the multiplicity, but it's it's essentially dual forces. And what what the, the secondary force is uh, in in you would call it yin yeah and this is the surrendering force the 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 I don't want you to misunderstand my language here because I'm indicating something not giving a precise this is this the death force the collapsing force an amorphous force the passive force which follows which follows whatever acts upon it. Okay, and then you have the primary force, which is yang. This is the resisting death force or life force, or uh, you could say masculine force, but again, it's not exactly precise. I'm just indicating the solar force, the radiant force. And so you have these two kind of dual forces that merge together to create this beautiful universe. And they're constantly moving. You are neither. You are neither. You're a third thing. You're a spirit. Now let's define spirit. My favorite definition for this that I find the most useful is a spirit is, it's a no thing. It's not a thing. It's not an energy. It's not a thought. It's a no thing. Yeah, it's a nothingness. And this is what you see in the high yogic philosophy, which you're familiar with. And so what is a no thing? It leads us to having to define the creator or God or whatever this is. And uh, this, this creator is the best way I've seen to define it. it. It moves within the creation of others. It's an essence that moves within the creation of others. And it does this without preference or differentiation. And so you probably heard in different religions that where they say God is always with you, but we don't really understand that. So what, is it, what does that actually mean? The creator or the God, I use God because it's a simple word and I speak a lot of words. So I'm just gonna say God, but define it as you wish has no problem being with you no matter what you do. So that means if from your willpower, you decide to do horrible things and become a dark person to traumatize many, God goes with you. Why? Because it's just, it, it moves to the creation of others. It doesn't, it doesn't have a need to disparage. The sun shines indiscriminately on the tree, on the house, on the flower. It doesn't say, okay, I only shine on this one. Okay, so then now here we're left and we say, okay, well, then, so, so now we have a sense there's good and evil and either way, God goes with me and I am a non-physical thing. So how do I, what, what is goodness? Well, goodness is that which promotes hope and life and love and connection, harmony, you know, uh, joy. And what is, what is evil? Evil is a prison that crushes your soul and removes that hope from you. But both are always present. And you've all heard the paradigm of like the wolf on two shoulders, which one do you feel? It's the same thing. We're looking at the duality. You must remember that you are neither. And 
but then we can get into this inactivity and this is the big problem that i find in like the spiritual world is that okay if goodness is that which is harmonic but now i have a conflict and to resolve that conflict maybe i need to become intimidating maybe i need to yell a little bit yeah maybe i need to create an intensity but that's not spiritual i need to always be good and always be gentle and always be kind and always be forgiving and always be understanding no 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 you are neither and for you to bring that into the world, you need to know how to navigate a situation truly for the best outcome. Now, if I want to build a house, I have to destroy a tree. Yeah. If I want to bake a cake, I have to break some eggs. Yeah. And so here we find that what's really required of a human being to become skillful in the world is discernment. And if you are afraid to destroy, you will never create. And that's what I see happening is that people won't take responsibility for destruction. So I, I actually train this with a lot of my students where I have them go and buy some inexpensive plates and break them. And it's it's really hard to get people to do this. I'm like, just go and like destroy something for the sake of destroying it. Because if you can do that, you won't need to do it in your relationships compulsively. Yeah. If you can make peace with the destructive force, you become skillful in determining exactly how much force. As a martial artist, I know exactly the place where I can break your arm. As a yogi, I know exactly the place where your arm breaks. So I can use that same knowledge to heal or to harm. And if you're going to become skillful and actually bring goodness into the world, you have to know sometimes when you're dealing with criminals, you need to be terrifying. But if you can't do that because you think you're bad, well, then you're ineffective. If I'm walking down the street and I need to protect some people and I come across some bad people, but I can't do anything, well, am I really skillful? Did, did I, was I good? And there's many ways we can argue this, but goodness, goodness is a discernment. And in this physical universe, not the spiritual universe, the physical universe, there is no perfect outcome. There's always going to be a little ash in your mouth. Yeah, the only perfection is in the higher realms. All the manifestations here will always have a secondary force. And the thing is that we have to learn to confront that. And what I'm seeing now in the world is that people, they can't see darkness or the secondary force correctly. They either react to it too much or too little. And so we see that the real issue is a lack of discernment because to bring a goodness into the world, you have to navigate both the creative force and the destructive force skillfully. But you can only do this if you can see. So does that make sense? Absolutely. And you're, what you're speaking, as you're speaking, it's just reminding me of, you know, in Buddhist practices, yoga practices, Hindu practices, they have deities that are wrathful uh, and very much for that process um, to, you know, kind of bring something into check. Uh, you know, there's many times I'll call it bring it into check. And so paint being a little bit of an image for people when we bring just similar to emotions, when we bring that yin and yang energy, so it's not so destructive or so like, you know, with pink covered glasses on that it's oblivious to what's going on over here. Because this is truly like the rebalancing because there's been all this covert things happening in this world system that most people don't know about. And now it's coming up. And I would say it's acting out through most of humanity in ways maybe they don't even understand. So if you can share the, the balance of the two dancing together in harmony uh, and where you put some examples there, but take it a little bit further uh, so that people can feel just even the example of anger, you know, that's associated with our liver. It's not that anger's bad. There's a reason to command, you know, mama bear does it. There's a reason to command someone's attention because uh, it detoxifies it like shocks the system so share a little bit however you wish there uh that how we can come into balance with those two forces so anger um so i study a lot of um the emotional yoga so we call this rasa yoga rasa means mood or flavor or taste and um the the training is the ability to generate the emotion and stop it at whatever point so anger we would call raudra and um, anger can be rage, it can be anger, it can be frustration, it can be covert hostility, like hidden, like passive aggression, yeah, which is a, which is a low gradient anger that seeks to destroy by appearing to do good. So all of these, I call them the anger band or raudra. And, 
you know, the warrior needs to know how to use anger and, and as to what's the correct use, listen, you just become more and more skillful. So there are many people that use anger to get things done. They, they, to, they, to, they always are overcoming something they're pushing against and it's not a wrong use, but you want to see if you're doing that because living in the anger band, it creates, so in the auric field, when you're in the anger band, it creates um, these ridges. So in other words, incoming force, your force, they go like this. Like you think about like waves, if you're in a choppy sea and you get a lot of these like ridges or spikes and it's two forces coming in in conflict with each other, different from like a flowing river or like dispersing energy. This can also happen with like the water analogy. So if you're using a lot of this anger band, to, to live, you'll, you'll have a lot of these spikes or ridges. And um, what will happen, a spike or a ridge stops the flow. So it, you, you're doing it to protect yourself, to stop something, but you stop all goodness from coming in. So the anger band is a protective band. And I'm not saying it's right or it's wrong, but you, sh you, know, you should be able to skillfully generate it. Most people's anger, their buttons on the outside, so they're going through life, someone comes along, they press the button, anger comes out, put it on the inside, learn to generate it on your own and then stop it and then generate it on your own, stop it. This is a high level tantric practice. And I, when I'm in person, I demonstrate all the emotions to my class silently. I just create a wave of the emotion. Like when I do anger, they'll all start to sweat and their hair will stand up because it's really an intense wave and you can make it big and you get all these spikes, all these spikes and it, it, you know, it creates an electricity, especially when you do it in a certain way. So when it comes to, you know, emotions, if we want to know how to stop them, learn to create them. The way out is always in. Yeah, we have to learn to create it. Can you create joy? Hasia? How about, you know, Shringara, the poetry of love and union, love and devotion that you see in like the, it's a big one in like the devotional yogas. Yeah, these are emotions that they're creating. And if you don't know of these emotions, then they're still affecting you, mm -hmm. uh -huh. but you can't do much about it. Yeah. So this is known as Rasa Yoga. There's an excellent book called the, um, I think it's the nine yogas of emotions. If anyone listening to this Googles it, you'll find it. They also have a website with some nice definitions. Um, I, I recommend, you know, learning about it. Um, it's a good book. Um, there's a few things missing in the higher practices, but it's perfect for the, for, you know, for everyone that's unfamiliar with this. Yeah. Uh, and it's highly useful. Kind of wrap up this conversation on just emotion. Uh, you know, the word superhero came into my mind. And I always tell you, my own students, it's like amazing when you can learn how to like have those waves within yourself, like start and stop them. Because then you realize what, like you, you can master everything around you. Um, <laughs> You're not held hostage by anyone or anything. So if you can share uh, for yourself what you've witnessed in yourself and others, that what comes on the other side of that, um, because if most of society is learning just to have feelings, you know, there's that. And then what's on the other side of it for them? Yeah. So, so uh, I, when I was studying Kabbalah a long time ago, I came across such a beautiful articulation of a very useful idea that I think is good to share. So the spiritual um, path is a path, but there are some things, but, but there's, there's markers that, that show you if you're going in the right direction. And so the first thing is that 99.99% um, .99 of humanity are what you would call receiving consciousness. In other words, they're craving attention, they're craving love, they're craving assets, they're craving acknowledgements, um, they're craving sensations. I mean, that's a big one. They're craving some sort of feeling or sensation. So they want to receive something. Now, that's actually not your natural state. You're a radiant God in a body. Yeah. So radiant, something that's radiant gives attention, gives admiration, gives consideration, gives help, gives ability, gives love because you don't need it. You, if, if you're giving it, you have it. Yeah? yeah. And so, so the concept in Kabbalah that I found so lovely in such a clear articulation is you go from receiving consciousness to sharing consciousness. 
And when that happens, your attention is no longer trying to figure out who I am from looking at the shadows of my past and all the mistakes I've made. Yeah. And, yeah. and looking for someone to feel better. This is receiving consciousness. So there's a shift that all of a sudden you become able to be with other people's problems. Maybe you're able to share without effort this, this light or this um, presence and you enter into that. And when you enter into that, you don't really have problems anymore. You kind of have solutions. Your life still needs handling um, and your emotions totally change. You don't have the, like, it's very, very rare that I have negative emotions. I mean, sometimes I get a little pissed. Yeah. But I also recognize it. Right. Yeah. You actually, because when you're helping others, when you're shining, when you're feeding this like light continuously through you, you're, you're always full. So you don't feel like anything's missing. And so sharing consciousness means I'm not missing anything. I don't need to receive anything. In fact, I'm overflowing. And this, this is the mark of um, practice moving in the right direction is that one changes from one state to the other. So this is an indication. If I'm in receiving, if I feel myself like I need this and I need that, it's I take a time out and I, and I have a, a real look and I say, okay, what did I miss? Because I yeah. know that that state is not the true, it's not the truest or the highest space. So this spiritual journey is one of, you make a few steps forward and oftentimes you fall back and, and you know, you'll have an improvement or you'll reach a samadhi, a stable state of clear beingness. You'll reach one of these states, but they're, they're unstable. So you fall out of it and you think that self-realization is now untrue. Nah, there's just a lot of things here that are seeking to get you to collapse the spaces right. you put out to get you to become smaller, feel bad about it. There's a lot of things. And to become skillful, we have to learn about a lot of those things. And then you learn to, ah, okay, wait a second. I'm feeling bad. I'm feeling needy. What's really going on? And how about I just, for no reason at all, without logically trying to dive, how about I just decide to become radiant and hold it 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 and, hold it and oh, okay, this is who I am now. Yep. Uh -huh. Well said. <laughs> so I, I could keep you on the line for about a couple hours. Uh, I, as we close out, we haven't even touched on what's going on uh, with your formula. I always say it backwards. Flawless formula. formula flawless. Oh, I almost yeah. said it right. I, I, I always, I <laughs> always said it right. Formulas. Flawless. I always reverse it in my mind. I almost did it right. So it's almost there. Um, share for the listeners what you have cooking there because your products are amazing. Uh, and, you know, I think just the power of taking care of this topic where, you know, about emotions and all this, uh, accessing the skin is one way to really get yourself connected to how you feel and what's ready to come off. And if you're willing to even yeah. nourish yourself. The emotions and your skin are intricately linked. Yeah, as you know, like if you feel shy or you feel embarrassed, the skin will like flush or if you're afraid, you might get, you know, all kinds of changes. So it's your skin is the largest organ on your body. And to just be frank about it, most of the skincare companies are just poison in a bottle. Like go ahead and look them up. Um, there's a great website, insidedecoder.com. That's I-N-C-I-D-E coder.com um and yeah it's a chemistry uh website where you can type in almost every product on the planet and look up their formulations now most of the skincare is is made um listen it's a pain in the butt to make things fresh all the time yeah it is and it requires a totally different business model that has a vision of like a higher thing it's like making a fresh food um, and you also have to educate people. So most of the products are made in large batches and they sit on shelves for a number of years. Now, would you like your salad to do that? <laughs> yeah. So, 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 so why did I start this? Well, I had a lot of skin problems. Um, I've had severe cystic acne. I, I've had um, age spots, hyperpigmentation. I started to get wrinkles from touring and teaching and talking all day. Um, like really and just the flying and the travel and I would I, I've been formulating stuff since I think my late teens and then I was in organic chemistry for a number of years 
Um, so I always knew how to do it, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a pain in the butt to make all your formulations and to keep everything fresh and in stock. So I was trying to buy things as I traveled and it gave a bad result. And when, when COVID hit, I made a decision so that I could touch my students in some way to begin to create products that actually work. They do what they, they say they're going to do. So we just regrow the tissues in a healthy way, following the cycles of life. And by providing like absolutely clear, clean nourishment, I do um, face care, like we specialize a lot in anti-aging, but I also do acne care and rosacea and like some kind of extreme conditions as well, which oftentimes require emotional work and deeper work. The two go really hand in hand. Like I can give you products to, you know, that'll make your wrinkles change. But if all day long you're crunching, you're squishing your lips with frustration and furrowing your brow, well, we can only do yeah. so much. We have to treat the whole person in their completeness. So mm -hmm. I created um, all of this. Our body scrubs and our face scrubs are remarkable because no one on the planet puts this high quality ingredients into a scrub. But when you abrade the skin and then you have like the nourishment that, that literally feeds the cells, this is a profound process. And the quality of this organ, which is your external boundary, when this organ feels good, your emotions feel better, you feel more alive, more vital, you feel potential, you feel confident. Because as a woman, when I had to wear all that makeup to cover my acne, or when I had to wear makeup to teach because I was looking bad and I'm on camera a lot, I yeah. felt gross. So the whole goal, like why the name Formula Flawless, because we can make your skin so healthy, you don't, makeup becomes a downgrade, not an improvement. Yeah? yeah, and this is the potential of all humans. You can have a healthy body. You can have a healthy body. Absolutely. We just have to take yeah. actions. And that is the knowledge of life that, you know, Ayurveda is. So it's working with Ayurvedic principles, but I use much like higher quality ingredients um, that are available now that we live in a world where I can order, you know, pomegranate oil from this country. And, and you yeah. know, so I'm sourcing things that are like super, super. And my sourcing is one of the biggest things that we do. I'll test like 10 different var variations of an ingredient until mm -hmm. I find the one that's like pops. Yeah. It just pops. It's like, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's exciting. We just got our new website up, which makes it much easier for people to order. And um, I'm hoping to get the packaging done, which is a massive job because right now I'm just labeling it like formula three F3 because yeah. I'm a lab. Yeah. yeah. But you know, people want a more sophisticated branding, but with a hundred products, like labeling yeah. each okay. one, we're looking at about $30,000. So yeah. I'm slowly, yeah, we're slowly getting there, but, but yeah. You know, like this is one of our biggest sellers. I, this is Formula 22, the eye cream, which I put yeah. on my whole face. It's so good. And yeah. these, we do, right now I'm doing the bath bombs and these cute little, re, or sorry, not bath bombs, body scrubs in these yeah. really nice jars that you can reuse. And you see all the rose oh, flowers on top. I have one. Of, yeah, this I is, love the scrubs. I have one in my shower. <laughs> so. The scrub are a miracle and then this guy this is one of the best things i've ever made in my life our formula 34 literally it's a it's a skin resurfacing it helps acne oh. rosacea and it melts into your skin i need to send you some of this because you get in the yeah. shower you wet your face put it on work it in add a little more water a couple of minutes later it's just you're just gonna melt what like rinse it off it melts oh, in and your skin totally, totally changes in quality. It's a miracle. It's one of the best things I've invented in my life because it works so effectively. Yeah. So um, I'm super excited about it. <laughs> Go ahead. I said beautiful. Well, it is. The reason I reverse the words is I would say your formulas are flawless. So it's flawless formula in my mind. <laughs> All of it. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're definitely made... Um, with a very high ethics. In other words, I, you know, yeah. all of our creams, I, I don't put a lot of nasty preservatives. So you put them in the fridge. Um, and I refuse to do that because it, while it is a bit of a pain in the butt to communicate to people, you know, why, and that it's actually a good yeah. thing. I'm not going to make anything I wouldn't use. And I don't put poison on my skin anymore. It's a new era. Yes. I don't do that. So, so everything's yeah. kind of formulated that vision. Beautiful. Well, Ray, as always, it's so beautiful to have you here. I appreciate you being here. Thank you, Thank you so much for having me. And I do have um, 
a new a monthly free uh, every third Monday uh, for the fall. I'm going to be doing a um, free uh, lecture on mind science and meditation that'll have some practices and a Q&A. And that is, um, it's yogaforthemind.org. Okay. Yoga we'll of the mind. Below. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, perfect yeah. with this. That's wonderful. Your amazing wealth of information and uh, yeah. I call you Buddha with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. The, the Buddha with a stick, huh? <laughs> yeah, which is needed. I like that about you. Once again, I'd like to thank Ray Indigo for being here, sharing her wisdom, her candor, and her bright light. As inspired, please connect to her great work below, Formula Flawless, and her new upcoming offering yoga of the mind the links are all listed below and we are super excited to have you explore her skincare line it will be a treat that you'll want to keep coming back for more until next time this is suzanne toro signing out with a full heart a soft gaze a deep bow and a namaste be simply 